You've stopped in at the guidepost. Brought to you by the American Saltwater Guides Association. Stock up on gear, grab a coffee at the counter, and get ready to hear incredible fish stories from the best captains on the East Coast and thought-provoking conversations with stakeholders and policymakers working to protect these fisheries. This podcast is presented by Costa Sunglasses. Hey, everyone. We are extremely excited about the incredible guests we have lined up to swing by the guideposts. Professional fly tires, fishing legends, policymakers, and other fishy people. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, iTunes or Spotify. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think of our episodes so far. Tight lines. Welcome to the guidepost. It's uh, me, Tony Friedrich, and our executive director, William Goldsmith. Hey, everybody. And we are just going to talk real quick about the results of the comments on the public information document for Stripe Bash. There were a lot of them, Tony. How many? I think around 3,000? Yeah, I think a little, even a little bit more than that. Um, I think a, a thank you definitely goes out to everyone who participated in this process. It was not easy. Very complicated document. And we thank everyone deeply for taking their time to participate in the process. Now, Willie, I've been doing this a while, and I have never seen something so lopsided. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it was a pretty uh, resounding endorsement of, uh, of conservation through the public comments, Tony. It was pretty remarkable. And um, as folks may know, you published a blog on this uh, a few days ago on our website, kind of detailing, you know, what some of the what some of the major talking points were for folks. And so we're going to kind of walk through that. But I think the overall message that uh, certainly the uh, striped bass management board is getting out of this is folks want to see a healthy striped bass stock and they want to see one quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Willie, I think it, I think we can bring the listeners up to speed if we just take it section by section. And, you know, there was a lot of stuff in that PID, but there were really just a couple of super critical issues that we tried to zero in on. And, um, Willie, why don't you remind the listeners about goals and objectives? Yeah, sure. So uh, Amendment uh, 6 of the Striped Bass Management Plan, which uh, was established in 2003, um, that's got a list of, of kind of the overarching goal for the fishery, as well as, uh, you know, a, a bunch of different objectives to kind of explain what we're trying to get out of the fishery. So things like a, a broad age structure, um, you know, abundance, those those kinds of elements of, uh, of what we want out of the fishery. And part of this amendment, part of the consideration was, well, has what we know about the fishery changed in the last 20 years? You know, are there any reason, are there any reasons that we might want to adjust the goal and the objectives of the fishery management plan? Um, and so, as folks may know, our position was basically no. We, we think the fishery's goals and objectives and certainly what the amendment is, is aspiring to are, are great things for, for a fishery, right? We want a healthy resource. We want there to be a lot of fish in the water. We want there to be a broad age structure to support, you know, the kind of the intermittent spawning success of striped bass. And so, you know, we really were hoping to see uh, folks encourage ma- maintenance of the current goals and largely that's what we saw. So Tony, do you want to kind of get into the numbers a bit and, and explain what, what the comments said? Yeah, I think I think we weren't alone in representing the views that you described. Because for goals and objectives there were 1672 total comments 
22 of those suggested changing the goals and objectives in a way that wouldn't benefit conservation. 295 of the 1,672 specifically requested that the species be managed for abundance. And one of the other interesting things is there's kind of been this talk of regulatory um, consistency and stability and flexibility. Um, no one really spoke in favor of things being more flexible in the, in the, in the goals. Only 43 comments came in for that. And as we so, know, uh, in, in striped bass management and everything else, we're increasingly seeing this idea of flexibility as a four-letter word, right? Uh, it's something that, you know, on paper it looks good, but when it comes down to what are the management, you know, what are the implications of this and what are the risks of the stock, uh, it's something we're, we're pretty leery of. So certainly not a whole lot of folks coming in in support of, of, of that kind of approach. Willie, um, I, I mentioned, you know, regulus, regulatory consistency and that can mean a couple of different things in this in the case of striped bass when people hear regulatory consistency they think of one size limit creel limit for the coast because that's what we wanted uh that's what a lot of people wanted rather and sometimes you can use the term regulatory consistency to say that year after year you can't change the size limits or the creel limits that the community benefits from knowing every year that you can keep one fish over 28 inches and that concerned us at the guides association a little bit that aspect of regulatory consistency because really what we want when we think of flexibility we want the managers to have all the discretion in the world to be able to react to a stock assessment that says the stock is in trouble, you know, to change those regulations as quickly as possible. So we get, we get back on the, uh, on the road to abundance. So just understand when you hear terms like regulatory consistency, it can kind of be taken a few different ways. So and, the biggie, yeah, and, just, Willie, and just kind of the flip side yeah. of that, Tony is, you know, you can also have regulatory consistency, uh, but, you know, there's a trade-off there because you can have regulatory consistency that's, you know, very conservation-oriented, but the trade-off might just be you end up having more strict limits more consistently, right? And so it's either, in our eyes, it's either, it's either that option or it's kind of this more adaptive option, you know, in which your regulations are adjusting as, as the fishery changes. You know, but it's worth noting as well, we've only seen the five limits change twice. So um, moving right along, you know, this was the biggie. This is definitely one of the huge ones for us reference points. Reference points. And <laughs> reference points. So, so Willie, remind everyone what reference points are, my friend. Yeah, I think I'm getting pretty blue in the face from uh, from talking about reference points, Tony. It's certainly been a drum we've been beating a lot over the past uh, 90 days or so. But uh, as folks might recall, uh, the reference points in this fishery are basically the goalposts, right? So it's at what level do you consider the stock to be healthy and sustainable? Uh, right now, we're using the 1995 
of spawning stock biomass as our threshold value. So if, if the stock dips below that level, it's considered overfished. And then the target is considered to be 125% of that value of the 1995 value. So those are kind of the levels that we have right now. Uh, 95 was chosen because it was considered a year when we had a lot of fish. We had a broad age structure. Um, you know, and one issue with striped bass is we don't have a great relationship between the number of big fish and little fish because environment plays such a big role in how many, uh, and how successful a striped bass spawn is. So we were forced to rely on these, on these individual years, uh, also known as empirical reference points. And, you know, our, our main, our main philosophy on this, Tony is really, you know, there's no evidence as to why we should change the reference points. Why should we be holding the fishery to a lesser standard than we have thus far? Um, you know, we liked what we saw in 95. We think that there's certainly potential to, to achieve the target based on 1995 um, spawning stock biomass. And so we did not want to see the goalposts lowered in this fishery at this point, especially when we're at a 25 year low, you know, our focus should be on recovering the fishery, not thinking about lowering the standards to which we're holding it. So the reference points received the most comments with a total of 2,678 written comments. And out of those, 10 didn't uh, thought we should change the reference points. 2,668 of the comments. 99.6%, Tony. Said 1995 is a perfectly good year. Don't you dare change it. I think that's a mandate, Willie. Yeah, and this is... This is almost 3,000 comments, too. This is not like, you know, you got 24 comments, right? It's a lot of comments. A lot of people who cared and took the time. I think that pretty much says it all. Willie, I kind of got the feeling in my heart that this thing might be pulled out. This issue may be removed from the amendment. Yeah, I mean, certainly we'll we'll find out in a, a little bit under a week here at next week's uh, ASMFC Stripe Bass Board meeting. But obviously, um, you know, not a lot of public appetite for this. I mean, that's that's pretty clear. Yeah, um, if I was a betting man, I, I'd say this one might be a goner. Um, for issues three and four, so this combines manage, management triggers and rebuilding timelines. There was a little bit less uh overall comments for this but willie why don't you tell us about the triggers and timelines and why they're important yeah sure tony so there are uh there are five management triggers in the fishery so if something happens if a certain um you know if fishing mortality falls below a certain threshold if there are changes to spawning stock biomass um if there are issues with recruitment there are all these different levers or our triggers, obviously, for lack of a better word, that the striped bass board is required to take um, in order to make sure that we're keeping a healthy stock. And so, you know, these have largely been um, supported by by folks in the conservation community. What we have here in terms of you know making sure we're not overfishing, making sure that we're we're you know doing what we can to to bring the to bring the fishery back when it's when it's in bad shape. Um, and we, we of course were supportive of all that. 
In addition, uh, we did think there was an opportunity to maybe tweak the rec recruitment, which is the spawning success trigger to just make sure it's more accurately capturing when when there's a series of, of failed spawns in the fishery. So that's kind of what the, the management triggers were. And we were generally in support of, of maintaining what we currently have. Um, and with regard to the rebuilding timeline, that's basically how long do you have to uh, to build the stock back to its target level, um, you know, once it becomes overfished. Uh, right now, there's a 10-year timeline. Uh, we are fully in support of that, and we also wanted to see a rebuilding plan, um, or at least a discussion of a rebuilding plan, be part of this new amendment process. Because as we discussed, you know, Tony, we're at a 25-year low in the fishery. Um, it's been over two years since the stock was declared overfished, and you know, we did start kind of reigning in harvest in, tw in 2020 with addendum six, but we really haven't talked about, you know, what are the alternatives for getting the stock back to a healthy level within 10 years. And so that's kind of what we want to see as part of the discussion here uh, in the amendment. The interesting thing is really parallel track, probably different side of the road, bluefish. So bluefish also uh, have a 10 year requirement for rebuilding but they are co-managed with the Atlantic States Marine Fisheries Commission and the Mid-Atlantic Council. And that means that in federal waters, three miles out. Hey, everyone. We are extremely excited about the incredible guests we have lined up to swing by the guidepost. Professional fly tires, fishing legends, policymakers, and other fishy people. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, iTunes, or Spotify, and leave us a review. Let us know what you think of our episode so far. Tight lines. Rebuilding timeline that we had options to choose from, and y'all can read more about Bluefish on our blog. Uh, we put out a very good blog on that the other day. But the reason why they didn't include the tenure is because since Bluefish are managed under Magnuson, if they had included the 10-year timeline in the document, they were at risk of being sued because it says 10 years or sooner if possible. So right now, the by reducing the mortality on striped bass with addendum 6, the slot limit that we most of us fish under now, the cone of uncertainty gets really large when you get out a certain ways from the management action. And to me, it looked like the rebuilding of striped bass was about 13 years, if no other action was taken. So that, that doesn't seem to follow the rules, does it, Willie? And I mean, as you said, you know, there was never a explicit discussion of, the, of that 13 and there is, you know, a large cone of uncertainty. And I think, you know, the other part of that, Tony, is just as you have longer rebuilding timelines, you have more and more uncertainty, right? There's more opportunities for, for more bad spawns, for other bad issues to, to, to happen. Um, you know, you just, it's, you know, the, the less you know, the less you know in terms of. Let me, let me ask my question in a different way. If. If striped bass were managed with the same rules as bluefish, that wouldn't probably have been allowed, right? That wouldn't be considered rebuilding because there was not alternate plans for like, let's say a five or six year 
rebuilding plan. It was just, they just kind of look at it and say, okay, we got 10 years to rebuild Stripe Ash. Right. And that's kind of why we're, that's what we're calling the rebuilding plan here, right? Kind of having that explicit discussion about those alternatives. I mean, again, ending overfishing is a big part of it, right? Ending overfishing is important for getting that stock back on that upward trajectory. But, you know, we have a 10 year requirement in the, in the, in the amendment, and we're supposed to do everything that we can to achieve that goal. And what we really want to see as part of this amendment is thinking about what kinds of um, you know, what kinds of approaches we can take to rebuild that stock within 10 years or perhaps even more quickly. Okay. Um, <clears throat> interestingly enough, when you add up the numbers for the management triggers and rebuilding timeline, there was not a single comment that would, I would say is anti-conservation. 209 wanted no change in the triggers. 185 wanted the triggers adjusted to react more quickly, more specifically. Every single comment regarding the rebuilding timeline wanted 10 years or less. Every person, every comment that came in. And as you kind of said uh, in, in a quote from the, from the document from ASMFC, many comments noted that concern there is not yet a rebuilding plan in place to address overfish status. Commenters noted that the board should adhere to this rebuilding requirement as specified by Amendment 6 and should act quickly to implement a rebuilding plan. By 2029, which is 10 years after the benchmark stock assessment. What year is it again, Willie? It's 2021, right? That's right. Are we in the, Are we in like the 15th, 16th month of 2020 or? Yep, 16th month. Yep. Okay, sweet. So next issue is regional management. Yeah, so with regional management, Tony, I, I don't think we need to spend too much time on it. Um, basically, you know, this is an approach to managing the striped bass fishery, um, you know, in, in different, you know, obviously in different regions, right, as opposed to just thinking about a, a single coastwide stock that we're managing collectively. And, you know, the bottom line here is that the science isn't quite there yet, right? I think in, a, in an ideal world, you know, we'd be thinking about managing the individual spawning stocks of striped bass. You know, we're certainly not there yet. Um, you know, we're certainly not opposed to, to adopting some approach that, that resembles this once, once the research is ready. You know, we're always in support of the best available information about, about striped bass biology to inform our management, but we're just not there yet. And so we really didn't see um, a need or a desire to, to, to move forward with this at this point um, until the technical committee and the folks who are experts on, on striped bass population dynamics are really able to provide that info. I'll give, so you just gave the play-by-play. -play. Can I give the color commentary, Willie? Is that okay? It's a strange role right. reversal, People but yeah, we can, we can let that happen, I suppose. <laughs> so out of all the hearings, there were 14 comments supporting regional management. Six were from Virginia, remaining New Jersey, New York, Maryland, PRFC, all other producer areas. So when you start talking about regional management, uh, yes, mass DMF is doing genetic studies. Yes, there's six separate genetic stocks. But you're talking about producer areas that want regional management. And they're going to kill the juveniles before they become adult coastal fish. And and that's, they want to manage them as separate stocks. But it's kind of crazy when you think about it. Because they're just juveniles and adults, uh, you know. It, it, we're not there yet. So the, of the 14 comments, every single one was from a state that's a producer area. So go figure. 
um you know don't you know don't need a weatherman to tell you which way the wind's blowing no and overall it was what over 95 percent of comments right were in support of holding off on this oh yeah yeah five 5.7 percent overall written and at the hearings wanted regional management 5.7 percent now here's here's one of the other biggies it's tony's favorite points conservation equivalency or is like we like to call it how do you cheat the system um everyone who striped bass fishes listens to us reads our stuff knows that in regard to striped bass conservation equivalency has been used for bad purposes for a while now and we had that was probably one of the first things that we took up it's difficult to explain to the angling public what conservation equivalency is. We managed to do that over the past couple of years. Take a, take a stab at it one more time, Tony. Just, just humor me. Humor you. <laughs> so when coastwide regulations are suggested and they say you get to keep one fish at 28 and that's a 18% reduction. Well, conservation equivalency allows states to come back and say, Hold on, hold on, hold on. What if we're allowed to keep one fish at 18 inches from June 1 to July 1, and then it's one fish at 23 inches until August 1, and then from September September 1 on, we can keep two fish at 32. They can come up with the craziest stuff you've ever seen, and the technical committee at ASMFC is forced to crunch the numbers. And I think there were, look, there were over 45 different conservation equivalency proposals during the addendum six process. And I, I don't even know how the staff can, has the time to go through all of those to see if they hit the desired reduction. So conservation equivalency is for a way for states to come back and say, no, 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 this is, this is how we want to run the fishery. Does this equal 18% yet? Let's say, nah, it's 14%. Oh, okay, okay. We'll take another week off here. Oh, yeah. And they just kind of work their way back and forth until they get 18%. But we all know in the real world, generally speaking, conservation equivalency doesn't work. All told, there were 3,758 comments. Now, that number's higher than the total comments that we said in the beginning, but that's only because there were different subsections of this. So, for example, 1,500 and change people said, CE shouldn't be used while overfishing is occurring. 1,463 said that states employing CE have to be accountable, and 612 said eliminate it completely. So that's why the number seems bigger, because I guess you could have said two of those things, two of those comments in, in one overall comment. Um, so when it's all said and done, you know, real numbers you are looking at 1.22% of the public said to leave conservation equivalency as is. And in raw numbers, you had 35 people write in and say keep CE. And in the hearings, you had 11 people total in all the hearings across the country say, yeah, keep conservation equivalency as is. So this, uh, 
this is, I think, is a great thing. Because if people are savvy enough to comment on this and understand it and understand why it's not working... I think that's huge because this is not a this is not a size and creel limit discussion. This is complicated as hell. And the comments were pretty nuanced, right? It wasn't just yay or nay. I think this is a you know it's a complicated issue. I think you know for some folks it's very black and white. For others, it's not. Um, but I think the overwhelming you know the prevailing notion here is kind of some you know it needs to be, it needs to be looked at more closely, right, Tony? Wouldn't you say that was kind of the main thrust of all of these different, you know, ideas, hey, Willie, given that, I, yeah, our position wasn't kick, kick it out, right. Kick it to the curb. Our position yep. was put some rails on it. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, you know, the, the idea here is CE adds uncertainty, you know, that's just, that's just a fact. Um, and so what do you do with that uncertainty, right? You certainly don't want to increase uncertainty when the stock is unhealthy. Um, you probably want to consider accountability if, there's potential greater uncertainty at, you know, at the state level. And so, yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think, again, this is one of the few issues, Tony, in this amendment that we're actually hoping to see included because we really see an area for improvement uh, of, of how folks use conservation equivalency. About 1.31% of the comments wanted to change the goals and objectives to make them less conservation-oriented. 0.651% wanted to change biological reference points. 5.7% wanted regional management. 1.22% wanted conservation equivalency as is. So the worst, the concert, the, the worst category that the conservation community landed in was being in the uh, 94.3 percentile. Nothing under 90%. Nothing even close to being under 90%. So I guess here we are. We'll see what happens next week. Everyone should be really proud of themselves. Everyone. It's going to be a big going to be a big week, Tony. Next, uh, next Wednesday, May 5th, right, is going to be the Stripe Bass Board meeting. And that's when the amendment's going to, you know, the public information document and everything that's in it is going to come up. And, and folks will discuss kind of what's in and what's out. So it's going to be an interesting conversation. You can bet we'll be tuning in intently to see uh, to see how the conversation goes and you know hopefully willie if the if folks get a chance to listen to this before the meeting i don't know we haven't even talked about it but we'll try to do kind of like a little live thing from our social media where we kind of comment uh, about what's going on in the meeting so when people are in and out of work and they want to know what's going on then go to our social media facebook page and kind of get just a, a super brief you know a couple line updates on the twists and turns we'll we'll try to do that I think that's valuable. Yeah. Um, so listen, thanks everyone uh, for tuning in. Man, um, thanks for the comments too, because in all of my life, and that's a lot more meaningful than when Willie says it, because my life has been considerably longer. In all of my life, I've never seen anything like this, where it was one voice, and let me tell you, people love these fish. And I think we've done everything we can up to this point as an association. And I think everyone else in the community has done everything they can as individuals to let the commission know where we stand. So we'll keep you updated on the meeting next week. We thank you all for listening and, you know, cross your fingers. Let's hope it's a good week for Stripe Pass.